Well, good morning, Brown Corners Church. We want to welcome you here. We're glad you're worshiping with us today. And uh, before, we, before we start our worship through song, I just want to uh, share a couple of things of note with you. Um, first of all, next week is our great outdoor service. We'll be outside next week, weather permitting, so if you would join us in prayer for good, good weather. We've always, by God's grace, we've never had to move it indoors, and so it's going to be a, a fun week, and if you grabbed a bulletin, the information is on there. Um, we'll, uh, we'll have some, um, some worship at 9.30, we'll have our service at 10, uh, we'll have food, a cornhole tournament, um, there are sign-up sheets out in the foyer. We still need some help in various areas of uh, serving. We need, still need some grillers, still need some cornhole teams. Uh, there's been already a little bit of trash talking with some of the folks that have been winning in the past and feel like they're uh, going to continue to reassert their dominance. So if you, uh, you and a, a partner want to kind of join that and try to upset the order of things, we would uh, welcome that um, very much so. And then, uh, ladies, please make sure you note uh, the the fall retreat that's coming up here, September 9th through 11th. It's going to be a great time. Uh, we would love for all of our ladies to be able to attend. There's still plenty of spots. And uh, we just want to point out that um, if, you, if you want to register, go to our website, click on the events tab. If, uh, if cost is an issue, we don't want that to be something that stops you. So please contact us, and we, we want to make sure that we can help get as many of our ladies there as possible for this exciting time of fellowship and some good Bible teaching and, and encouragement together. And then uh, one more thing we want to make mention of uh, this morning, and uh, we won't ask you guys to come up front, but uh, Jean and Dorothy Robinson are, uh, are with us and have uh, been very involved and faithfully uh, teaching and serving uh, for many, many years. Jean and Dorothy uh, came here, they joined the church back in December of 1981. They came over from the Midland United Brethren Church. And uh, Jean has been teaching uh, Sunday school classes for 40 years. And, uh, and yeah. And, and Dorothy for 35. And so. They've, they've served in so many different ways. We, we don't have time to list all of the different ways in which they've been a blessing to our church family. And uh, recently, uh, Gene has handed off his class to another teacher and is choosing to step away from his, his teaching duties uh, just due to, due to his, his uh, senior status and, and wanting to kinda, kind of uh, relinquish a few res responsibilities. We're making it very clear that Gene and Dorothy are not retiring from ministry. They're transitioning into a new ministry, whatever God has for them by way of uh, praying for our church family or whatever it is that God equips and enables them to do. But we just wanted to take a moment and recognize their faithfulness and uh, honor them uh, for just their, their loving commitment to faithfully teaching the Word of God. Uh, Dorothy, primarily to kids for you, right? 35 years of kids and her husband to adults and just instilling the, the Word of God. In fact, many of you here today uh, have been a part of Jean and Dorothy's classes throughout the years and we're just so grateful for their service. God's Word tells us to honor those uh, who are our leaders and those who have gone before us. And that's what we want to do this morning. So just one more time, would you thank Jean and Dorothy for their faithfulness?
If you've been, if you've been, been, been touched by their ministry throughout the years, make sure you take a moment and just drop them a line, drop them a card. Uh, let them know that. Uh, let them know maybe there was a particular lesson or a particular time that they prayed for you or with you or, or something, just uh, to encourage them and, and remind them that uh, the, the lives they've touched. Let's take a moment and uh, spend a couple moments in prayer here before we begin to sing together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the faithful God, a God who never quits on us, who never gives up, a God who is always there, who is always by our side. We thank you, God, that, that you are the one who equips us to be faithful, to live a life of faithfulness like Jean and Dorothy have. I pray, Father, that, that their example and the, the strength that you supply would motivate and encourage us to endure in our faith to endure in service when times are tough or when we get frustrated or discouraged or feel like quitting. God, we thank you that you are faithful. We can always count on you. Pray, Father, that as we sing your praises, as we lift up honor and, and glory to your name, we pray that, that you would be given first place in all of our hearts this morning, and that our hearts would be drawn near to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, as pastor's already said. If you're ready and willing, stand with us. Good morning, those joining us from the live stream. As we, uh, let's go together and say our uh, call to worship. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Why search the world? It couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise, treasures that fade, never enough. Then you came along, put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied. Here in your love Oh, there's nothing Better than you There's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Nothing is better than you I'm not afraid. 
better than you, Father. Amen? Yes, God. Sing, you are good. You are good. You are good. When there's nothing good in me, you are love. On display for all to see, you are light, you are light.
Riches of your life will 
Father, may that be our, our heart's cry today. And no matter what kind of storms may be raging around us, may our hope and trust be anchored in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No matter how uncertain things get, no matter the, the fear that wells up in our hearts, the worry, the doubt, may we rest. Give us ears to hear as we come before you and worship through the proclamation of your word, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to in invite you to turn to two different places. We're going to start out in the book of Hebrews. And then we are going to, in Hebrews chapter 11, and then we're going to spend the majority of our time in John chapter 4. So if you have a copy of God's Word with you, or if you don't, there's some in the pew uh, right near, uh, right within reach. I invite you to join me first in Hebrews chapter 11, and then we'll be in John chapter 4. It was pretty, it was pretty neat to hear, I was really encouraged by what Pastor Steve shared last week. Uh, we hadn't really coordinated things, but... I knew that God was just laying on my heart uh, uh, this kind of sort of in-between three-week series before we go into 1 Peter in, um, after Labor Day, and uh, I hadn't really talked to Pastor Steve about what he was sharing. I knew the passage, but I didn't know the, the kind of the heartbeat behind it, and it was Steve, Pastor Steve really provided the perfect introduction for what we're looking at today, and uh, the title of this, um, this series, um, we're calling it fighting for faith. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we read this. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. As Pastor Steve shared with us last week, and as this verse reminds us, faith is absolutely essential to our life with God. Now, most of us know this. Most of us know that it's like faith is required for salvation. If we're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's through faith. There are scripture passages um, such as, let's see if my... Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. We are saved by grace through faith. It's not through our works. It's not through our energy or our, our resume. It's through faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Or Romans chapter 4, verse 5, where the Apostle Paul writes, Now, to the one who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith 
is credited for righteousness. But the scriptures have so much more to say about faith. Faith isn't like, like if you're going to the Claire football game Friday night and you buy a ticket and uh, that ticket gets you in the gate and after you get in, you stuff it in your pocket and later on that night after uh, you get home, you're cleaning out your pockets and you realize, oh, I've got this ticket stub. Generally speaking, unless it was, there was like some historic event that happened uh, or your grandkid was playing and you wanted to tuck it into a scrapbook, you're probably going to throw that ticket stub away. That's what we, we do with games. The game's over with. We don't need it anymore. We, we discard that because it's a, a, a thing of the past. But faith is not like that. The Word of God tells us that faith is not simply the ticket that we need to get in with God, so to speak, to get saved, and then we discard it like an old ticket stub. But faith is, is the component of our everyday life, according to the Word of God. Just to look at a couple of passages, and then we're gonna, when we get to John 4, we're going to look at a story that illustrates this. But we see this, for example, in Galatians 2.20, where Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says the life I now live in Christ is a life of faith. It's a walking by faith. It's a dependence upon him. Well, most of us know this, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where we simply read, we walk by faith and not by sight. We read elsewhere in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, just as, so then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord by faith, so continue to walk in him. The life that we have from God is received by faith in Jesus Christ, and then it's to be lived by faith. But what does that really mean? Do you ever ask yourself, what, is it, what does it look like to live a life of faith? What does it truly look like to walk by faith and not by sight in the everyday stuff of life? Furthermore, what is faith anyway? And how do we live a life of faith when things get really hard? I've heard faith illustrated in this way, that faith is a little bit like a chair or a stool. We don't think much about whether the, the structural, structural integrity of the stool or the chair will hold when we go and sit down in it. Most of us just walk up to the, the chair and we go ahead and sit down. And that faith is like that. We just, we just sort of implicitly trust God. Now, sometimes, maybe it is just as simple as having a seat. But most of us know that when life gets hard, it's not quite so simple, is it? There are things in life that require quite a bit more conscious effort to trust God with. There are maybe things that you just implicitly trust Him with. Your daily commute or whether the food you're about to eat doesn't have E. coli or some bacteria that's going to give you food poisoning. There are a lot of things that we just kind of go through life, and maybe we implicitly trust God that they're going to work out. But then there are other things where it's just not so simple as sitting down on a stool. That's what I want us to talk about these next three weeks as we try to understand what it means to fight for faith when life gets hard. I want to look at this story in, in John chapter 4 to see this, this faith in action. 
to see this faith being lived out. In John chapter 4, beginning in verse 46, we read the story of a royal official who comes to Jesus. This story comes on the heels of Jesus' ministry in Samaria, his, his sharing the gospel with the Samaritan woman and, and her coming to faith and trust in him. And the gospel spreading in Samaria and many believing in Jesus. And then he heads from Samaria back to his home region of Galilee. And we're told in verse 46 that he went again to Cana of Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. So he had already, early on here in his ministry, he had already performed his first miracle, and it was in Cana, and he returns back to that same area. And it says that there was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son, since he was about to die. Jesus told him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll not believe. Sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live. The man, depart the man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. And while he was still going down, his servants met him, saying that his boy was alive. He asked him at what time he got better. Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him, they answered. The father realized this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. And so he believed, along with his whole household. Now this was also the second sign Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. As we try to get our hands around what faith is and what it means to live by faith and to walk by faith, I wrote down just a couple of things from this passage, and the, the first thing that I want to make note of is that faith is forged in trying times. Faith is shaped and forged in trying times. If you notice the text, it says that he went to uh, Cana, and, and, and it says his son was ill, verse 46, and uh, that may not seem remarkable. I mean, all of us with kids have had sick kids or, uh, at times, and, and at times you think, okay, they're really playing this off. They're pretending like this is a gigantic deal, and we all know better. This is not a big deal. But when you read a little further in the text, you realize, oh, this is a big deal. Verse 49 says, he, he's begging Jesus here, and he says, sir, come down before my boy dies. And we realize, oh, it's that kind of sick, the kind of sick that is like the, the desperate parent mode, like Jesus, we need you to do something right now about this. This is an all-hands-on-deck emergency. He does not just have the sniffles. He is about to die. You see, this official was not simply having a bad day. He was encountering a circumstance or situation that was utterly heart-wrenching and could literally change the entire course of his life. His own child was sick unto death. You see, while it is not simple, sitting on a stool kind of simple, to trust God in these moments, without these moments, we don't learn to trust God. 
without situations where I am completely helpless. And I look to him and say, God, I, I got nothing here. I got no strings to pull, no amount of money in my bank accounts, no, no problem-solving skills that are going to get me out of this. Faith is forged in trying times. I read this morning from Jerry Bridges, hadn't thought about this, but he said even in some of his health struggles and in his weakest moments, he found it's much easier to obey God than it is to trust him. You ever found that? Like, God says, go do this, or hey, stop doing this. And in those moments, sometimes it can seem like not that hard, like, yeah, okay, I, I, I want to I obey you, God, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow in your steps here, and I'm, I'm going to do this in obedience to what you've commanded me. But he said, for me, trusting God, trusting God when I, I had nothing else to fix it, he said, now that's hard. Living a life of dependence, of faith, in those most trying of times, is when God forms in us the kind of faith that endures, the kind of faith that others can follow, the kind of faith that clings closely to Jesus. We see here in this text that faith is forged in trying times. We also see that faith requires persistence. Verse 47 says that this man heard that Jesus, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son since he was about to die. This man was all in. The, the trip from Capernaum to Cana was approximately 25 miles by a road which climbs around 1,350 feet. This man was desperate, and he made this trek to personally see Jesus. And when he gets there, we're told that uh, in the text there, verse 47, that he pleaded with Jesus to come down and heal his son. Some of your translations may simply read that he asked Jesus, but the tense of the, the verb indicates a pleading or a begging. There was a, a persistent request. So this man came from miles away, hiked uphill, and now was begging before Jesus. He was all in. Like, he had no other resources. He was all in on trusting Jesus here in this moment. How about you this morning? Is there something that God is calling you to trust him for without abandon, to be all in and persistently imploring him for? Not hedging your bets with backup plans and B and C plans, but really casting yourself fully and totally upon him? If we're told in the Hebrews 11.6 that without faith it's impossible to please him, and if we're told in these other verses that we just threw up there briefly that we walk by faith and not by sight, I begin to wonder if this shouldn't be the norm of our Christian life rather than just in those moments of complete desperation, all hands on deck emergency. 
Like, what if our life looked like this man, this complete begging, pleading, all-in trust upon sovereign God? What would our life look like? What kinds of things would we attempt for Jesus Christ? What kinds of action steps would we take? What kind of what, what people would we step out without fear and sharing our faith with? What would it look like if we took this desperation into our daily life? What does it look like to persist? What does it look like to be someone who is all in? I think first and foremost, it's turning over and over to the promises of God. What do you need to believe him for this morning? What does his word say about that? And how do you know that you can trust him for that? I believe first and foremost is by turning to the word of God and listening and looking for the promises that speak to your situation. We'll talk about just a couple of them in a moment. Memorize God's promises Swim in the ocean of his promises. I love what Charles Spurgeon says about this. And as he's is in this, I want to share this with you because he begins talking about John Bunyan. Now, for those of you who might not know the name John Bunyan, he was uh, a, um, a a tinker in the in the I believe the 1600s who was imprisoned for sharing his faith. He was a, he was an itinerant pastor and uh, was was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And uh, uh, he, he's the one who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. If you have if had ever had a chance to read Pilgrim's Progress, if you have not ever had a chance to, I highly commend uh, that classic work on the, the, the journey of the Christian faith. And so this is Charles Spurgeon talking about the importance of soaking in the promises of God. And then he's going to mention John Bunyan. He says, oh, that you and I might get to the very heart of the word of God and get that word into ourselves as I have seen the silkworm eat into the leaf and consume it, so ought we to do with the word of the Lord, not crawl over its surface, but eat right into it, till we have taken it into our innermost parts. It is idle merely to let the eye glance over the word, or to recollect the poetical expressions, or the historical facts, but it is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible, until at last you come to talk in scriptural language, and your very style is fashioned upon scripture models. And what is better still, your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord. He said, I would quote John Bunyan as an instance of what I mean. Read anything of his, and you will see that it is almost like reading the Bible itself. He had read it till his very soul was saturated with scripture. And though his writings are charmingly full of poetry... Yet he cannot give us his pilgrim's progress, that sweetest of all prose poems, without continually making us feel and say, why, this man is a living Bible. I love what he says here. Prick him anywhere, and his blood is bibbling. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is full of the word of God. May that be us. If someone were to prick us, may we bleed bibbling. May the scripture ooze out of us when the temperature is turned up in our lives. 
And it can only, that can only happen not through, like he says, crawling over the pages of the text, but by eating, by digging deeply, by meditating on and claiming and, and making as your own the promises of the word of God. Faith is forged then as we persist in claiming and, and resting in these promises that God has made to you and I. Thirdly, we see here that faith is anchored in truth. Faith is anchored in truth. Jesus said, after the man persisted and begged, Jesus said, go, your son will live. Listen to this profound but so simple of a sentence. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. If we want a simple definition of biblical faith as is, is we can come up with, that verse captures it right there. The man believed what Jesus said. When we talk about walking by faith, that's the essence of what it is. Do you and I this morning truly believe what Jesus has said? Do we believe the words that he's spoken? Are we going to anchor our hope and trust? Again, it's one thing to believe something like when, when mom calls and says, dinner's ready. And you're upstairs playing as a kid and, and you run downstairs. Well, you just implicitly believe that. Okay, well, after, I mean, that, that's not hard. You're hungry. You can smell it. Mom says it's ready. You believe her word. But what about those times when it's not so simple? It's not such a knee-jerk moment when, when you read a promise where God is calling you to turn to his word and you see a truth and you're like, I know I need to believe that, but I'm having a hard time believing that. It's based upon his character. You see, you know that when mom speaks and says, come on down for dinner, you know that there's, there's a, a past there. There's a history there. And while it may not be as easy to believe in that moment as, hey, dinner's ready, it's God's past faithfulness that allows us to be able to, to take hold of those promises and make them our own. You see, faith is not a blind Faith, biblical faith is not blind. We're not stepping out where there's absolutely nothing. That's a poor definition of faith. We're stepping out even though we can't, we can't see where we're stepping. We don't know what the future holds. It's still not a blind faith because the one into whose arms we are stepping has been faithful and he always will be. And we can trust him to keep his word R.C. Sproul has said, faith is born when truth penetrates the heart. I love that truth. He goes on to say, at its root, this is what faith is. It's not believing in God, it's believing God. The Christian life is about believing God. You see, James tells us that even demons believe in God. You and I need to know that it's not enough to believe in God, to think that there's this being out there. That, that's not biblical faith. It's to believe him. It's to take him at his word. It's about following him into places where we've never been, into situations that we've never experienced, into countries that we've never seen, because we know who he is. How about you this morning? 
How are you being called to trust the one who is infinitely trustworthy? How is God calling you to depend upon him who is infinitely dependable? How is God stretching and growing your faith? As we close, I want to just really make the application personal and, and specific. If you have your notes in, your, in the back of the bulletin, I ask these two questions, and we'll put them on the screen as well. What about you? What scriptural promises do you need to believe today? In a lot of cases, we already, we already know the promise. Maybe you've been wrestling with it for a while, and you Googled some scriptures, and you've written some down in the flyleaf of your Bible or in your journal, and you know what the scriptures say about this area where you're struggling to trust God, whatever it might be, but you're just struggling to trust him. What scriptural promises do you need to believe today? This man, this, this centurion who knew very little about God, it says that he believed what Jesus said to him. What is Jesus saying to you this morning that you need to believe? Truly believe. I'm just going to make mention of a couple. Chances are these will be familiar to you. I, just, I wrote down four for the sake of time, but we could go on and on and on with the promises of God. One of which is that God has promised to work out everything in the Christian's life for your good. God has promised to work out everything in your life, if you're a follower of Christ, for your good. Romans 8, 28, well-known, oft-quoted verse. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are being called according to his purpose. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that whatever circumstances you find yourself in, even the ones that, even the ones that are result of your own sinful choices, your own foolishness, or the results of others' sinful choices and foolishness? Do you truly believe that God is at work bringing about good in that right now? Like deep in your core being, do you believe with all your heart that God is using your trial, your burdens, your weaknesses, your suffering right now for your good and for his glory? That's the question. Second truth, God promises to answer your prayers. God promises to hear and answer your prayers. Matthew 7, 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The verse doesn't say that it will be answered in the way that you expect him to answer or in the timetable that I expect him to answer. And there's also scriptures that tell us when we're harboring sin in our hearts that that, that impacts our prayers. But when you come before God with an honest heart and say, God, I need this right now. Best as I understand my needs are, I, I need this. I need you to intervene right here. This healing, this wisdom, th this, this help with a, a, a broken relationship, the, the strength to fight this sinful temptation, whatever it is, God says, ask and I will answer. Do you believe that this morning? Third promise God promises to supply all your needs. God promises to supply all your needs. 
Philippians 4.19 says, God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I want to, I'm an American. The truth is that my idea of what a need is is not probably line up with reality. But if God, God has promised that if I come to him and I, 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 I trust him, he said, I'm going to take care of your needs. I think even in that process, he helped us understand what a need truly is and he helped us align our will with his. Do you believe this morning? If you're in a situation where you're out of resources, financially, wisdom, what have you, do you believe that God can supply and will supply those needs? Do you truly, truly trust him? Or are you hedging your bets, trying to find other plans just in case he's not paying attention? And then finally, Scripture tells us that there's nothing, absolutely nothing that can separate you and I from his love. In this precious passage of Romans 8, we go on to read, For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. You may be thinking, Pastor, that what I'm going through right now is not in that list. So thank you very much. Seems like a very good list, but I think that what I'm going through may be able to separate me from the love of God. But did you notice that one of the first things he mentions is life? Like that encompasses all the stuff that life throws at us, all the uncertainties and the heartache and the frustrations. And he says that there's nothing that can separate you from his love. We've just mentioned four truths, four promises. We could go on. There are hundreds and hundreds of promises in Scripture that are made to you and I as, as the followers of Jesus Christ. So my question for you this morning is, what does walking by faith look like for you this week? If we know that without faith it's impossible to please him, if we know that we're all called to walk by faith and not by sight, what does that specifically look like for you this week? Only only you and maybe those closest to you can answer that question. Where is it that you're struggling to believe God right now? This man brought before God, not not physically because his son was back home, but he brought before Jesus his son who was dying. Any of us in this room, to, to put ourselves in this man's shoes, even for a moment, you can begin to feel the crushing weight of that. He knows his son has but days, maybe hours to live. And he brings him to Jesus in this desperation, this moment of, I've got nothing here to remedy or to fix or to solve my problem. Jesus, I need you. We sing that song, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. That's the kind of faith and trust, the moment-by-moment dependence that God calls you and I to. Not just when the house is on fire, but moment-by-moment, casting our cares on him, like Peter said, and living in childlike faith. This week, how is God calling you? How is he calling me to walk in a life of faith? 
these next few weeks, we're going to unpack it a, a little bit further as we think about what it means to learn to fight for faith when doubt and uncertainty seems to be pressing in from all sides. But this week, right here, right now, take time to prayerfully answer this question. We're going to have some time to pray after, uh, after a moment here. If you want to just linger in your seat, maybe jot down the answer. Maybe some of you know this immediately. This is what I need to trust him for. But otherwise, I'd encourage you to take some time later on tonight before bed or tomorrow morning in the quietness of your time with the Lord and ask God, what are you calling me to trust you for right now? How are you calling me to walk by faith and not by sight? As we pray again, I just want you to know there'll be some folks up here that would love to pray with you. If you'd like someone to, to, to talk to or just simply pray with, uh, we'd love to have you come to the front. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, some of us may even be fearful to ask you to teach us to trust you. Teach us what it means to live by faith because maybe we're worried that you're going to bring in something just really hard right off the bat and that we're inviting suffering and hardship into our life by, any, by even praying that. I pray, God, that we would remember that that's not who you are. You're not up there looking to mess with us and to just bring awful things into our life just for the sake of it. I pray that we would remember that everything that comes into our life is faithfully and gently and lovingly guided by your sovereign hand. And that we would trust you that and believe your word that whatever has come into our life is by your design to help us learn to rely upon you more, to cast, upon, cast ourselves upon you further, God. Strengthen our faith. Help us to believe you, to believe your word. May we turn to the promises. May we saturate ourselves in your word, O oh Lord, so that the, the, the promises are just right there at, 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 at a moment's notice, at arm's reach. May we believe them with all of our heart. May we take them in and rest upon you as the faithful God. I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are infinitely trustworthy. Strengthen us to believe you this week, to fight for faith, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Now the goodness and generosity of God our Savior, the renewing power of the Holy Spirit, and the certain hope purchased by Jesus Christ settle over your living, your thinking, your worship, and your mission. Amen. May God bless you this week as you trust him.